Hi there, welcome to Shiloh Tabernacle London. We're located in South East London in Woolwich Dockyard, Block 1, Unit 9, Dockyard Industrial Estate, Woolwich Church Street, SC18 5PQ. Join us for our Bible study every Friday from 7.30 to 9pm and you can't miss our Sunday services packed with prayer, vibrant worship and a powerful word. First service is 9am to 10.30 followed by our family service from 10.30 to 12.30. And now for the best part, let's get into the word. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this day. We thank you, King of Kings, for you are Lord. You are King. You reign on high. Your kingdom shall know no end. And we thank you, Father, for this time. And even as we're ready to take your word and eat and feast at your table, we ask that you speak to us, O oh God, and that you may use me as your mouthpiece in whatever it is that you don't want me to say. Remove it from my notes. Remove it from my recollection. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, I first of all want to thank um, the shepherds of the house for giving me the opportunity to minister. I don't take it lightly. Bringing the word is not something that is uh, to be taken lightly. The Bible says that those that teach the word will be, um, they will be, they'll give it, their accountability will be a bit different to those who hear the word. So everything that I say is scrutinized both here and in heaven. So I don't take it lightly. So thank you, Father. Uh, my father and my mother, thank you, Pastor Ruben and Apostle Joyce for this time, for this opportunity. Amen. Amen. So we're going to enter the word. And how many of us know what we're looking at this month, what the theme is? Shout it out to me. The Holy Spirit. Of, oh, amazing. You guys are listening. So this month, our focus is on the Holy Spirit. And some, some of you may think that um, maybe why are we going through the Holy Spirit again? Like we know the Holy Spirit. We know who he is. We know of this person that is the third person in the Trinity. But we want to understand his role in our lives we want to understand how we function here on earth um, as spirit beings with the help of the holy spirit amen so far we've looked at the holy spirit as our helper apostle joya started this month off by teaching us and opening our eyes to understand that one of the functions of the holy spirit is that he is our helper john 14 26 tells us i hope you have you have your bibles today's one of those sundays where I'm usually the one there, so if, if you don't have your Bibles, today we will know. Tell your neighbor, do you have your Bible? Do you have your Bible? Can I, you can turn there, right? Awesome. So be praying for somebody to fill my spot there so that you can have the scriptures on the screen. So John 14, 26 tells us in the New King James Version, it says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. Amen. So when John speaks of the Holy Spirit, he uses the word, uh, the Greek word paraclete, paraclete rather, to describe the Holy Spirit as our helper, our advocate. So here we know him as a helper, according to that word. And that word means that one who walks beside, one who helps, a paraclete literally helps you along the way. 
in everything you do. So we know the Holy Spirit is our helper. And then last week, we looked at the Holy Spirit as the spirit of life. That if we live in the spirit, we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Amen? Amen? So how many of us know that we are spirit beings? Yeah? So we are a spirit that just so happens to be in a body that has a soul. So our being here on earth is not to walk in this flesh, in this body. We are to walk in the spirit. And the only way we do that is if we understand that the spirit of life is within us. Amen. He has breathed his life in us. This, this life that we have, this air that we breathe is not just oxygen as somebody who doesn't know God. But if you know God, you know that this is his breath in us as we saw in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and 7 when he breathed life into man amen awesome so today we're going to be talking about um, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit if you're making notes the title is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is something that we are called into fellowship is our calling we are called to be in fellowship and be in constant communion with God Fellowship is a state, it's the state of a Christian's life. Our life is not to be separate from God. Our life is not one that God is high, 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 high up there and we're down here and we have no communication with him. We have no communion with him. But he created us to have communication, to be in fellowship with him. So of course he is up there. He sits high and looks down low. But because of Jesus, he now lives in us right? So Jesus, Jesus comes to earth. Jesus comes on earth so that we can have constant communion with God. Amen. So the way that we can be in constant communion with God, it's impossible by our own strength. It is impossible to be in communion, in constant communion and communication with God without the Holy Spirit. On our own accord, on our own abilities, it is not possible for us to be in constant communication. We are constantly working, we're adulting, we're in school. We're doing all these things that make it almost impossible for us to be in constant communication and communion and fellowship with God. When we were in the garden, sin comes in and fellowship is broken. When Adam and Eve fell that connection, that fellowship was broken. That communion was broken. As you read in Genesis, the Bible tells us that God would come in the cool of the day and walk with them. He would walk with Adam. That means they were in communion. They were in fellowship at all times. But when sin came, that was broken, right? So which is why Jesus comes. He lives a life that is sinless and he dies and he resurrects and he leaves us the Holy Spirit in order for us to have fellowship and communion with God. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the Son and the Father was always God's idea. We were never created to be apart from God. We were never created to be for there to be a separation. We were called, we were created to be in constant, constant fellowship with God. So the word communion, when I say communion, the first thing that probably comes to your mind is the breaking of bread. Am I right? Right. So holy communion is not just the breaking of bread. It's not just the sacraments. That is, that is but um, it's something that signifies the coming together. So the word communion, according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, is an act 
or instance of sharing. Already that lets us know that communion is not one-sided. Sharing can only happen when there are two people. I can't share something with myself. There's somebody else, then I share. So communion is, is an instance or an act of sharing. It is intimate fellowship or rapport. Now the Greek word for fellowship, some of you may know it, is koinonia, right? It means to fellowship, to participate, to contribute, to be in partnership. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 9 says that God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Amplified Version says God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, and therefore ever true to his promise. And he can be depended on by him, you, me, all of us were called into companionship and participation with his son, Jesus Christ. That's why when we have Holy Communion, we are partaking of the body. We are coming into full communion with Christ Jesus. We are no longer saying that he just went on the cross. We acknowledge that, but we partake of his blood. We partake of his body. We partake of his suffering. We partake of his glory and we partake of his exaltation. But you can't partake in his glory without partaking in his suffering. So why? that's why we are called into partnership when Paul writes these letters to the church of Corinth he writes to them and when you read the letters that they are uh, they're written in a way to to urge and to beseech the church to be one to live in unity I believe verse 10 actually says so I urge you and beseech you to live in harmony the point of these two letters is that to unite the church the church, the people in Corinth were living so divided by very many things. They were divided by whom to listen to. Some were like, oh, we like Apollos. And, you know, we listen to um, Paul and we don't really like some of the things that Apollos says. So we're going to stay with, 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 you know, with Paul. And that's actually something that is happening right here in our very world. Some of you say, oh, I, mean, I only listen to Pastor Mike Todd. I only listen to this person. I only listen to that person. And there is division. So Paul writes these letters and he says to them, I urge you, live in peace, which is why he now goes into in chapter 13. You find the, the amazing chapter that we all read at every wedding. 1 Corinthians 13, love is this, love is that, love is this, love is that. He calls them into love and he shares with them the gifts of the spirit. And then he tells them that in Christ, you're a new creation. He brings them to understanding that they are new. They are one in Christ. And Paul, Paul closes his second letter with the famous words that we now know as the grace. I bet some of you didn't know that the, the words of the grace are in the Bible. If, you, if, you are, if you're being honest, some of you didn't know that. The words that we say after every service actually are in the Bible. Let's read them together. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, 1, 2, 3, let's go. And the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The Amplified Version adds a little spice. And it says the grace, favor, and spiritual blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God 
and the presence and fellowship, the communion and sharing together and participation in the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now the grace, we can preach a whole sermon on the words of the grace. Grace is attributed to Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And the love of God, love is attributed to God the Father. And fellowship, communion is attributed to the Holy Spirit. This is why the Holy Spirit was released to us. Because He is the only one out of the Godhead that can remain here. Jesus Christ came, he lived, he died, and he resurrected, he paid the debt, but his work was only for a short period of time. And he says, I must go, leave me to go so I may send you the helper, so I may leave you my Holy Spirit who will guide you, who will dwell in you and show you, bring to remembrance everything that I have taught you. Jesus couldn't stay, so he leaves his Holy Spirit and we are called to be in communion. There was no way for us to be in constant communion with our own ability. It's not by works. It's not something that I have done that the Holy Spirit lives in me. No, we cannot do anything. We do not do anything. We have not done anything in our power to remain in constant communion with God. Remaining in constant communion with God is very difficult without the Holy Spirit. It is very difficult for me to wake up every day of my life and walk in the Spirit and live a life that is pleasing to the Spirit and live a life that, is, that has no sin and live a life that pleases God. It is very difficult without the Holy Spirit. This is a revelation that we must understand and grasp. If we truly understand that there is nothing that we as humans can do to remain in constant communion with God and fellowship, our prayer lives will change like that. We will no longer look at prayer as a chore, as something that is difficult. How many of you guys feel like prayer is difficult? Put your hands up. Be, be very honest. Thank you. It's difficult. I don't know why this isn't coming out. Bear with me. These lights are really bright. When you're stood here, you don't realize how much you're sweating. <laughs> right, so how many of us understand, how many of us think that prayer is difficult? To you as a human being, prayer is difficult. Hands up. Upright, if you can hear the sound. Thank you, awesome. I'm a teacher, so I like we need to respond. So prayer is difficult when we think of it and do it on our own. Now, the only way we have understood that the only way to be in constant communion with God is by the Holy Spirit. So if we understand that I am in communion, I am in fellowship, in participation, and the presence of God is in me by His Spirit, prayer cannot be difficult. Let me tell you why because it is not your ability to pray. It is not in your ability as a human to sit and speak to somebody that you do not see for hours on end. It's not, it's not something that's normal. You, I can sit and talk to my friends for hours 
because I see them. I can see their reactions. I can laugh and I can hear them respond. But when you are speaking to a God that you don't see, it is difficult to the flesh. It is difficult to the human, which is why we live our lives in the spirit. Imagine you live in the same house as somebody, right? And you find talking to them really difficult. Like it's a strain. Like when you're going to talk to them, you have to like gather all the strength you have and like charge yourself up to come and pray. And sometimes you even forget that they're there. That you don't even spend time with them. You're just strangers. You're just existing and they're existing. That is how many of us live our lives, our Christian lives. We sometimes find it difficult to talk to God. We sometimes find it difficult to to even remember him in anything that we do. We sometimes find it difficult to even like, you wake up sometimes and you're like, I don't even know what to say. When they say it's time for prayer, you're like, what do I even say? When I was growing up, I struggled with prayer because I was like, if God is so infinite and he's all knowing, why are we praying to him every day? and saying the exact same words and praying the same things and all these things were in my head. And we would gather as a family to pray and prayer was a chore. Prayer was really difficult for me because I hadn't come to the realization, I hadn't come to the revelation that I am called to be in constant communion with God and his spirit enables me to do that. So when we call for prayer, The reason that many of us find it difficult is because we haven't come to that revelation. This is a revelation. This is a huge part of our Christian walk is understanding a revelation. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, um, from verse 8 to about 10, he says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered the mind of man what God is going to do for those he loves. And then verse 9, I believe, says, For the Spirit... And there, it's a capital S, so we know he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Searches the deeper things of God and makes them known to us. The Holy Spirit searches the deeper things of God and makes those things known to us. He reveals them to us. The word revelation is an uncovering. It is a truth that you as a human had not come to yet, but the Holy Spirit opens and uncovers something that then allows you to live your life in a certain way. So the Holy Spirit, as I'm speaking, is uncovering. He's revealing to you that this life that you live is not a life that you can walk on your own. But by him, you can walk in righteousness. By him, you can be in constant communion with God. So the words of the grace, these are not just words that we say after every time we pray. This was a prayer to the church in Corinth. And whenever we say these words, we have to understand what we're saying. In these words, we understand grace. We understand that grace is God's unmerited favor. That it's, it's God's favor and mercy upon you that you didn't work for. That Jesus came and because of that grace, you have been brought back 
into the reign of grace. You are no longer living in the world of the law. You are under the grace. That does not mean that you have a license to sin. That does not mean that you live your life anyhow because of the grace. But because you have the grace of Jesus, you live your life according to his ways. You live your life differently because of the revelation of the grace. And then we talk about the love of God. This love that sent forth his only son. This love that, as we sang, it's, it's reckless. And the reason we say reckless is not because we're calling God reckless. This love that he has for us. He leaves the 99 sheep to go and find one. In which world is that even able? Like, that doesn't make sense. It is not something that is comprehensible. That you would, as a shepherd, you have 99 sheep and you leave these 99 alone to go and look for one? You would rather leave the one and keep the ones that you have. But no, this love, this love that chases you down, this love that waits for you, this love that comes running down your prodigal road, this love that comes running even when you're in your sin, this love that comes running when you're in the pit and he pulls you out, that's the love of God, the unchanging, reckless love. And then we talk about the presence and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that we share. You know, the Holy Spirit, we have a Father, right, in Jesus, in us, in our Father, the Heavenly Father. And then we have, if you think about a family, right, we have a Father who loves us so much that He would send His Son. So in Jesus, we have, we have a brother. We have a friend. We have a co-heir. That is scripture. And I won't even go into that. And in the Holy Spirit, we have a best friend. In the Holy Spirit, we have a companion who walks with us every single day of our lives. Every decision that you make, from what outfit to wear, from what to eat for breakfast, you can tell this person, say, God, I don't know whether I want to wear this jeans today. Listen, this morning, I changed my outfit like three times. I was like, Holy Spirit, in my head, I can see what I was wearing, what I would be wearing when I'm preaching, but I don't know. Should I try this one? How about this one? And I tell, I kid you not, these are the conversations you have when you're in communion with God. It's not something that it's, you have to, it has to be a big thing. It's everything. You don't leave the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you don't just go to the Holy Spirit for help and advice on the big things, on what job, who to marry. You can talk to him about anything. He is constantly with you. He wants to be a part of every decision that you make. Say, Holy Spirit, should I wear this skirt? You know, every time I'm doing like this, I'm doing like this. Holy Spirit say, but you know now, that one is too short. You know, like, just maybe try the one that, that is a bit longer. Or maybe put something on, like put tights. Oh, come on. You know who you are, you're a daughter of the Most High. You can't be wearing something like this. That's a conversation you have with the Holy Spirit when you're in communion with Him. The only way 
we can be in constant communion with God is if we live in the Spirit. Pastor Reuben touched upon this last week and we're going to delve even deeper. Galatians 5.25. I believe he closed with this. If you read Galatians 5, the whole chapter is amazing. And Paul writes, if we live in the Spirit, the New King James Version, if we live in the Spirit. Others versions say if we live by the Spirit. I went with this one because it's the, the closest to the original. It says if we live in the Spirit. That means that the Holy Spirit. How do I explain this that in a way that we can understand it? The Holy Spirit is first of all in us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? So we agree that he lives in us, right? And we can also live in him. And when we live in the Holy Spirit, there are certain things that can never cross your mind because you are in him. Your desires completely disappear because you are in him. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, you walk a life that, yes, He's in you, you acknowledge Him. But how many of us know that we can have the Holy Spirit living in us and still walk a life that's a bit wayward? Just a little bit. But when we understand that if we live in the Spirit, it is a place for us to live, to dwell. Let us also walk in the Spirit. That means when you live in the Spirit, every step you take, it's not you, but the Spirit. That means that you can never enter a place that is that He is not. You can never enter a place that will lead you into danger. You can never make a decision that would lead you into danger. You are living in the Spirit. That is the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Living in the Spirit, living a life that is in the Spirit is acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is the one who leads. Many of us think that because the Holy Spirit lives in us and He chose to make His home in us when we invited Him in and, you know, we said we accept and we agree that He, that Jesus died for us and the Holy Spirit was released. Because we think that, because He has made His home in us, we still somehow think that we have power and control over this life. We don't. When we allow the Holy Spirit in and we also understand that we can live in Him, everything that we do, everything that we are is the Holy Spirit. Living in the Holy Spirit, living a life of the Spirit is one that is yielded and surrendered completely to his ways, to his thoughts, to his doing, his thinking, his ideas, his, desi his desires. Evangelist George Miller says, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk. When I lie down, I pray. When I rise up, I pray. And the answers are always coming. When you live in the spirit, you are constantly praying when Paul writes and says pray without ceasing he doesn't mean constantly be in prayer in prayer in prayer in prayer that people around you cannot concentrate no 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 no. you can be at your office you can be at your desk and be in constant prayer 
You can be walking down the street and be praying. You can be lying down and be praying. When we're asleep, our spirit is awake. Praying without ceasing is not impossible. It's not impossible because we live a life of the spirit. This life that we have is the life of Christ in us. His breath in our lungs, his spirit in our bodies. We were not only called to have communion with God on a Sunday. We were not only called to have communion and fellowship on a Sunday. If that was the case, God wouldn't have given us a person. He would have given us a garment. Say maybe a cloak. How many of you guys have watched um, Doctor Strange, Marvel? Don't be afraid to put your hand up. It's okay. It's allowed. Yeah? Cool. There's a, there's a character. It's a superhero, right? And he has this cloak. Ah, thank you, Holy Spirit. And when you watch this, this character, right? This cloak is special. It's a garment. It's very special. That the garment is the one that chooses who is worthy to wear it. Am I right? Those who have watched it. Yeah? I see shaking heads. Cool. So the garment is the one that chooses who is worthy to wear it. And this man who goes through like, he was a surgeon and he was amazing with his hands, has a massive accident and he can no longer use his hands, right? And this cloak, he goes off to somewhere in Asia to try and regain like some sort of healing. They've tried everything. It's actually a very spiritual movie, by the way. Um, he goes and he looks, trying to get healing and he finds this... Um, he finds this place and he channels this uh, power sort of thing to be able to do many things. Anyway, this garment chooses him. And this garment is, separates him from everything and everybody else. So imagine if God didn't give us a spirit, I think he would have given us a garment. He would have said, you know what, on Sundays, every Sunday, put this garment on and you're in my presence. And you have communion with me only when you have this garment. When you take it off, you're on your own. Imagine if that's how life was. But thank God, thank God that the Holy Spirit is not just a garment. That he's a person that lives in us, that dwells in us, that speaks to us. We were not created to have communion only on a Sunday. This, this cannot be the only time that you commune with God. This cannot be the only time that you open your word and dwell in his presence. First of all, we have understood that this is a revelation. So wherever we are, we carry his presence. We carry his glory. That we don't, the presence of God is no longer a place that we have to go to like um, in the Old Testament, which is why Jesus tells the woman at, at, at the well, you have to go to a place to worship but the spirit God is spirit and they that worship must worship in spirit and in truth that means that wherever you go you can worship wherever you go you are in the presence that you don't need to wait for Sunday that you don't need to wait for a physical building you don't even need to be in church you are constantly worshiping because God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth and we know that we are living a life of the spirit that means 
means that when I wake up, I'm worshiping. When I'm in the bathroom, I'm worshiping. When I'm cooking, I'm worshiping. When I'm at work, I'm worshiping. When I'm at school, I'm worshiping. Behind my computer, I'm worshiping. In the exam room, I am worshiping. It is no longer a place that I go to. Jesus came and tore the veil and he says, all are welcome. And when he released his spirit, he says, everybody that accepts me is automatically in my presence. That means that you don't need to wait for Apostle Joyous to lay hands on you before you are healed. You don't need to wait for Apostle Reuben to preach a storm before your situation changes. You are in the spirit. You have the authority to speak to the storm. You have the authority to speak to your children, to speak to your husband, that you would know the Lord. You have that authority because of the spirit that lives in you. Can you imagine living a life that you only have oxygen on Sunday the way that my mind works is I like to imagine things and see things I'm a visual person and when I was preparing that's that's what came the picture that I that I saw imagine you only have oxygen on Sunday Monday to Saturday you're dead you have you're not doing anything you're walking dead. There's a film called The uh, Walking, Walking Dead, which means that um, in America, when they have uh, somebody that's on death row, when, because you know America still has like the death penalty. So somebody that is walking dead is alive, walking, but they're nearing their death. They're walking dead because they're about to be electrocuted or whatever it is they, they will do. So a life without Christ a life without acknowledging the Holy Spirit is you walking dead. You have no life until you come in church. You have no life until they play a certain song. And if they don't play that song, that means you're not there. That means you haven't, you haven't got life. So that means you've gone a whole week without life. The life that we have his Zoe in us. If we only pray, talk to God, speak to him on a Sunday, we have not understood the work and the power of the cross and we have not understand, understood or received the revelation of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We are living in a warped reality. We are living in a life that makes no sense. It is our call. We are called to fellowship. We are called to constant communion, communication with God. The Holy Spirit allows us to have constant communion with God, the Father and the Son. When you're in constant communion with God, you know his voice. You know when he's happy. 
You know, some of us don't know that the whole, that God has feelings and the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That means he has feelings. There are things that we can do that can grieve him. And that is an unforgivable thing. That God sometimes looks at us and his heart is broken. That God sometimes looks at us and he's happy. When we're in constant communion and fellowship with him, we know his voice. We know when he's speaking. We know when he is happy, he is sad, what he needs from us and what, what, what his voice sounds like. And this is, the, this is something that we sometimes forget. We know what his silence means. You know that silence is sometimes louder than words and different silences depending on the context and the conversation mean different things when I'm having a conversation with my mom and I say something and she's silent depending on what I have said I can translate the silence and that's because I know her we have a relationship the same way that if she speaks to me and she says something to me and I'm silent she can translate what that silence means because we're in we have a relationship we have we're in communion right the same way that when we are in communion with God when he's silent you know what the silence means you know that sometimes the silence is a no and that's an answer as well and you know that sometimes the silence is just a little bit wait just a little bit longer you know the silence you know the voice of God you can differentiate your voice to his voice, to your friend's voice, and to the enemy's voice. I heard the story that um, when they were when they teach people in the bank how to tell uh, what a counterfeit note is, they don't show them fake counterfeits. They don't show them the fake notes. They show them the real thing. They show them and teach them how to spot the real thing. So that when something that is not the real thing comes, they know it's a counterfeit. Because a counterfeit can be changed. A counterfeit can always be changed. People that make counterfeit money have different ways of doing it. But the real thing, there's only one. There's only one. That's the same with the voice of God. The voice of God is true. No matter what form it comes in, in Isaiah no, 1 Kings 18, we see Elijah after defeating the prophets of Baal. He's running away. And, he, and God tells him, go and stand on the mountain in my presence. I'm about to pass by. There was a wind, earthquake, fire. And it was a still small voice that came, right? So all of those things were God because he was stood on the mountain in the presence of God. This is old covenant. So he had to go somewhere. But let's bring it here, us. Our daily lives. We have multiple voices that speak to us. But in order for us to differentiate who is who, we must know the voice of God. We must know how to hear his voice. When you know how to hear the voice of God in whatever form he may take, you will know when this voice is not God. Amen. And that only comes from having communion with God, being in fellowship. Amen? We're still together? Awesome. Now I want to talk, talk about a place 
that we can get to or something that happens when we're in constant communion with God that you even forget about your personal requests. Because, you know, when we talk about prayer, prayer is taught as you go to God, you tell God what you need, and he gives it to you. You go to God with a request. Prayer is more than a request. Prayer is so much more than a request. Which is why when Paul writes in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer, thanksgiving, and supplication, make your requests known to God. Your requests are separate to prayer, to thanksgiving, and supplication. They're different. Prayer is not when you come and request of God. You do not come to God and you're saying, I'm praying, and you have a shopping list. If that's what you're doing, say, God, I'm coming to request. That's fine. There's a place and there's a time for that, 100%. But every time you go to God, it cannot be because you have a request. Again, let us imagine. You have a friend. Many of us have friends, right? Or relationships, whatever, every, any type of human connection. You go to this person only when you want something from them. Something that will benefit you. How, how does that relationship work? You're constantly taking, taking, taking. You never go to them to say, oh, how are you? And we all have these people, you know. Some people, they'll message you. You haven't spoken to them in ages. They'll message, oh, hi, how are you doing? I hope you're well. No, you don't. Actually, really and truly, that's just a formality. You actually don't hope that. I, you don't even know how I'm doing. You're just hoping. What if I'm not well? Then what? You know, hope you're well. Okay. <laughs> if I'm not well, what will you do? You know? So these people, they come and they just hope you're well. I need this. Da, 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 da. Could you please do me a favor? Could you do, 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 do? And you as a human being, no matter what you tell me, you feel a certain type of way. Because you feel like, You've only remembered me because of something that you need. You haven't checked on me to see how I'm doing. This is how, this is, this is exactly what going to God with a shopping list is like. Because we neglect that God has needs for this earth. And every need that God has is for our benefit and the benefit of the world that we're living in. But because he needs, he needs humans, he cannot operate on this earth without a vessel. Whenever we go to God, sometimes... Make time and say, God, what, what is it that you want? What is, what is your desire for the United Kingdom? What is it that you want me to pray? How can I pray? Nobody, I promise you, nobody on this side of eternity likes to live a life where they are only asked or only approached when they are in need of something. You want to have a relationship with this person. You don't just go to them because I need something. So when we're in constant communication with God, sometimes, and we'll get to a point where we forget our personal requests as we're communicating to his heart through the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit is revealing mysteries where first of all, our minds are constantly being blown by the revelation that you forget to even, oh, what did I even come to ask God for? Because you've come into, you've, you, you've, communi you've communed with him and he's shown you a different side of himself and you're mind blown that you're like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that. 
and you just continue you're now living in a revelation and the thing that you were chasing the thing that was that drew you even to maybe come and pray you've forgotten about it but he the thing is God hasn't forgotten you will notice that there are things that you need or you want, let's say, and you're like, God, I really want this thing. But when you're in constant communion with God and you're speaking about daily things and everything else, the things that you would go to God and ask God for, they're the things that come looking for you. That's how you will now get a job that you didn't apply for. A job without interview. These are not things that we make up. We have living testimonies. People that are in constant communion with God that the job searches for you. There are people that have never applied for a job and recruiters are chasing after them. May you be the one that recruiters are chasing in the mighty name of Jesus. That the things that we are so desiring, they come and look for us. Because we already know that our needs are taken care of, right? Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 to 8. Jesus tells the disciples when he's teaching them how to pray. He says, and when you pray, you should not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you that they have their reward. Verse 6, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut the door, pray to the Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in the secret will reward you openly. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Verse 8, therefore do not be like them for your Father knows the things that you need before you ask him. Our needs are known by the Father. When we're in constant communication with God, we cannot pray for something and it doesn't materialize. It doesn't, it doesn't translate from the spiritual to the physical realm. So we know that our needs are taken care of. Philippians chapter 4 verse 9, And my God will liberally supply, fill to the full your every need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So your needs are taken care of. And there are some things that you desire, that you want. They may not be needs, but you want them. You desire them. And the only way you can get those things that you desire is through constant communication and communion with God. John 15 says that if my words abide in you and you abide in me, you can ask whatever you want and it shall be given. Not whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you desire and it shall be given. Only if you abide constantly communing with God. When you're in constant fellowship and communion with God, you cannot ask or pray amiss because we are in oneness with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There is nothing that we can pray for that is not in His will, therefore leading us to our own desires. James writes and gives us the reason why when we pray or when we ask for something, we don't receive it. In James chapter 4 and verse 3, he says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. The things that you desire must always 
pleasing to God in order for them to manifest and translate from the physical from the spiritual to the physical he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing and it's a matter of understanding how to get that which has been released and given into the physical and once we are in constant communion with God our desires become his desires his desires become our desires the things that we want become the things that the heart of God wants and there is something that I didn't know really could happen but when you remain in communion with God God starts to change your appetite God starts to change the things that you desire the things that once would make you you know like I don't know like I'll, I'll use myself as an example I love to watch television I love a good series I love a good movie and I could sit and watch an entire series from start to finish and I'm talking like four seasons with about 22 episodes each season in about four days that's a season a day I can do that I used to do that and something happened very recently where I had no desire to watch something and give my time because I get so invested this is I'm not saying this you know so that you stop no 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 no. please I absolutely love a good series I watch Grey's Anatomy I used to watch Scandal I used to watch How to Get Away with Murder I finished them all like I started I finished them and I'm like I would watch them during college when I have exams and I'll stay up at night when I was in like listen I've been there done that and God changed my appetite. That there is nothing, because I know how I am and I, how I can be and I can be invested and I can give my time to this thing, God changed my appetite so that I no longer just give my time to anything. You can live a life that's balanced, of course. The things that I thought I wanted in this life, God said, nah, that's not really what I want for you. But because of constant communion, praying constantly, being in his will, whatever he wants for me, I yield. And I'm not surprised, I'm not hurt, I'm not shaken when things don't go the way maybe I planned, but according to his plan. Amen? When you're in fellowship with God, your pleasures disappear. The pleasures of the flesh disappear which is what Paul writes in Galatians and he says the works of the flesh lead to death but the works of the spirit the fruit of the spirit are this this that, and the other and this is life and that's how he ends that portion of scripture if we live in the spirit then let us also walk in the spirit our desires change our appetites change They change. They change. I want to encourage you this afternoon. You may be somewhere, you may be there in your seat and you ha have trouble praying. You have trouble spending time in the presence of God. and You find it difficult. I want to encourage you that you have the greatest intercessor living in you there is no reason 
why we shouldn't have a praying spirit to man when we have the greatest intercessor in us. So many times that we acknowledged at the beginning when I asked us how many of us feel like prayer is something that is difficult. When we try to pray in our own strength, we try to run to our prayer closet and we neglect the Holy Spirit, it is difficult. How many of you have sometimes you said, God, I'm going to spend time with you today. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to fast. My sister was telling me last week, she determined she was going to fast. And the very next day, the hunger that hit her at 5 a.m. was out of this world. I said, this hunger, even her, she said, this hunger that never happens. I can go a whole day without eating. But because you have determined, you've determined, I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. And neglected the Holy Spirit. When you try to do things on your own strength, the ruler of this world, who's the enemy, says, oh, really? Okay, let's see. But when you try, when you do things in the Spirit, and there is times when the Holy Spirit will lead you to pray and fast, and He gives you the grace to do that. The Holy Spirit will say to him, mercy, take five days. In those five days, listen, you can go however many like hours without eating. But if I try to do something on my own strength, when I try to run to my prayer closet and it's, I say, God, I'm going to a time of prayer. Why is it that you're going into a time of prayer? Why are you not just constantly living in the time of prayer? We're going into a time of prayer. I understand that English can be, you know, sometimes it can be misleading that we're not going to physically into a time of prayer, but our lives... We are constantly praying. Amen. The place of prayer goes beyond the physical. He has made his temple, his home in us. So the place of prayer is wherever he is. And if he's everywhere, everywhere is a place of prayer. You don't go, you don't go to a place of prayer. Everywhere that he is. The Bible says that the earth is full. His fullness is everywhere. That means he is everywhere. That means wherever he is, is a place of prayer. My bathroom is a place of prayer. Sometimes we over-spiritualize things. It's very simple. Wherever the Godhead is, is a place of prayer. You can enter your office and it's a place of prayer. Let me give you an example. In, in our office at work, there's a prayer room. Now, the prayer room is mainly dedicated to Muslims because they're usually the only people that actually ask, to, ask for a place to pray. So it's a, it's a legal requirement for uh, most office buildings, even shopping malls. If you go to Westfield, there's a multi-faith room that you can go and pray. In an airport, there's a place for you to go and pray. Everywhere. So in the office... I remember in our induction being told there's a place of prayer and my heart leapt. And I was, whenever I'm in the office on a Thursday, I, I make time, I disappear for about 25 minutes and I just go and pray. And of course this room is set out, you know, for Muslims and the mats are facing Mecca or wherever it is. And I, as, I said, as I enter that room, I say, God, as I'm here, it's a place of prayer. And it's a place that I will hear you. And even those that will come after me, they will hear you, the one true God. It's a place of prayer that has been consecrated, yes. But wherever I go, 
just being in that office, it's a place of prayer. In every meeting room I go, I'm praying because it is a place of prayer. Do not let the physical place limit you from hearing God. Do not let this physical room limit you from experiencing and encountering God. You can have an encounter with God at your desk. You can feel the weight of His glory in your office room, in your house, at school, on the bus. There's been times when I am overtaken by the Spirit on the bus and I start crying like eh God really here eh? couldn't wait for me to get home no listen wherever he meets you he meets you because you've understood that you don't need to come into this physical building that your bedroom is a place of prayer that when you wake up in the morning to pray on morning glory just because you haven't entered the physical building doesn't mean you haven't prayed you have encountered the Holy Spirit may we not limit God to the physical place of prayer Wherever we are is a place of prayer because we are continuously in communion with God. And I want to close with a few questions that I want you to think about and I want you to question yourself. I'm not questioning you. I want you to hear them and question yourself. If you do not pray 